Welcome to Wave Makers on WMNF, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is John Dunn. Today on Wave Makers, we'll be talking to candidates in the District 1 Tampa City Council race. Um, Alan Clendenin, Sonia Brookins, and Chase Harrison. We spoke to incumbent Joe Citro a couple weeks ago on this show. Uh, the uh, Creative Loathing's current issue has an excellent cover story and a wrap-up on what is calling uh, Tampa's most consequential city race in years. And some basic information for those of you who are not paying that close attention. Uh, if you haven't registered to vote, it's too late. Yesterday was the deadline. Early voting starts on Monday, February 27th, and ends on Sunday, March 5th. If you'd like to vote by mail... You have to ask for a ballot. It used to be uh, you could uh, get one every four years, but now the legislature changed that to make it a little more difficult for people to vote by mail. And so if you'd like to vote by mail, you need to request a mail-in ballot by Saturday, February 25th. Um, And as Tom said, Creative Wolfing indicated that this is one of the most consequential consequential city council elections or city elections in years in part because of um, what it means in terms of the power structure of our city government um, and uh, what it means for the mayor and the city council. We've Um, probably never seen a city council so independent in speaking out and questioning things that the mayor does. Uh, The mayor of Tampa is very powerful. Uh, It's a strong mayor form of government, but through checks and balances, the city council has its own role uh, and we have seen city council uh, speak out in ways we've never seen before, and we've seen the mayor react to that in targeting certain city council members for defeat. Um, so let's get to our first candidate. It's Alan Clendenin. Alan, you're on the line. Can you hear me? Are you there? Hi, good morning. Good morning. Alan, thanks for being here. Um, Alan is a, is a candidate in the District 1 citywide Tampa City Council race. He's a former air traffic controller and somebody who has been very active in the Florida Democratic Party. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me this morning. So let's just start with a very basic question. Tell us why you are running for city council. I've been... Uh, politically active since I was 15 years old. I'm a Floridian. I grew up in Central Florida, and I got was involved in my first campaign at 15. I've spent my entire adult life helping other folks get elected. I've, I've been active, you know, at every level of uh, party politics. I currently serve on the Democratic National Committee, and I'm the Democratic National uh, Committee Southern Caucus Chair, so I represent 25% of the nation on the uh, Democratic Executive Committee. In fact, last week, for a couple of days, I was up in Philadelphia and led our coalition to back the president's uh, calendar uh, for the presidential primaries. So and I was proud to say that we were able to whip the votes from the southern states to back it uh, with the unanimous vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my, so my activity in, in, in politics is, is longstanding and really lifelong. My local commitment, you know, four years ago I ran for the same seat, uh, missed uh, getting the runoff by just a few votes. I I love the city of Tampa. It's one of those you know it's one of those things that I've always been uh, a big fan of. I've seen the the vision and what Tampa could be uh, for many many years. I've lived in Tampa for thirty seven years. 
I was really excited when Mayor Friedman, a good friend of mine, was the mayor and, and her vision and what, what she was, you know, what she did and the seeds that she planted that we're seeing mature into really, you know, great projects today and what has contributed to the growth. You know, four years ago, I saw that we were kind of at a nexus, uh, or, I'm sorry, a crossroads in which directions we we're going to go. And so many important decisions that we make today um, are the same as four years ago, are mm-hmm. going to really steer the city into what it's going to look like uh, for the current and also future residents of our great city. And quite honestly, I, I see a lot of problems in, 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 in the city, and I, I'm frustrated by some of the some of the things that are happening and I believe that just like I have, uh, so I was a union organizer, uh, air traffic controller, uh, political activist, and anytime I see problematic areas, I want to jump in and try to help to fix it. And that's kind of where I'm at today in my mind. Well, I've, got a lot, I've got a lifetime of experience of you know going into problematic areas, problems, situations, and, and, fi- and fixing them. And, and also a grace under pressure as an air traffic controller. <laughs> yeah, we have we have our moments. It's, uh, it, it was an incredible career. I did it for a little over thirty years, and I think thirty two years to be exact. But uh, it's it, it was an incredible occupation. It was uh, I had a lot of experience and one how to uh, deal with stress, how to deal with complicated situations, how to solve problems. You know, we're, we're, it's, it's a it's a problem solving equation. And then as a manager, I managed uh, the air traffic control workforce as well. I managed the Radar approach control at Tampa International, as well as the control tower, the glass house in the sky that most people see, but they don't realize below it is a radar approach control. And all the managers, I was the deputy manager of the Sun and Fun Fly-In, which is the second largest mm-hmm. airport in the country. We stood up and tore down a, one of the busiest airports in the world every year, and I was responsible for the logistics of doing all of that. Hey, Alan, let's tell us yep. a little bit about, um, you, you mentioned that you see some problems that you'd like to address Tell us what are like what are your top three issues if you were elected? What would be your the, the top three issues that you see that you would like to address in the city of Tampa? Well, I, mean, I think clearly, you know, the problems that we see in the city of Tampa, as well as honestly the entire United States and Western world, is affordable housing. Mm-hmm. We really have to you know double down on our efforts to make sure that Tampa is a place that people who uh, live here, people who work here, can afford to live here, and we're really kind of reached a point that that's not necessarily the case. I mean, just personal experience. I had a health care provider, a nurse practitioner, came to Florida to, to uh, came to Tampa to work and ended up having to leave the city of Tampa because even on that salary, which was generous, could not afford the rent that is being charged uh, to live in the city. And that's got to change. If you, you know, if somebody in that type of a career can't afford to live in the city of Tampa, we're, we're not doing everything that we can to, to really help grow the city. And we have to realize but we have to, you know, we have to come to terms of what city, who are we building the city for, and it really should focus on the people that actually live here and the people that actually work here, and Do not you, necessarily the, 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 they. We we can't just build a city of McMansions and multi-million dollar homes. We have to have inclusive housing that uh, everyone can uh, be it's attainable to everybody. Do you have any specific thoughts on how to address that issue? I think a lot of the things that the city is currently doing is really in the right direction. I think a lot of, just like any business and just like in politics, if you want to know priorities, follow the money. I think we need to reallocate resources to double down on some of the existing programs that we're doing. And, you know, that's that's really the, the, the key of the matter. We, we're doing a, a good job of RFPs, uh, the city land, 
that sort of make uh, house, house ownership a, a possibility for many people, which is, is the best way to control your monthly housing expenses is to actually control your property. Mm-hmm. And that's whether you're in a residential or commercial. Controlling your property is so important. I think that's a, a key issue, and I'd like to see that continue. I think working with the housing authority and, of course, the uh, with the federal government programs uh, that we have at housing, I'm, I'm disappointed, of course, uh, in the state legislature and our state government and their lack of support uh, for housing and what they continue to do in, in raising funds that should be targeted towards um, housing and making housing more attainable. Unfortunately, I'm, my disappointment in the state government transcends <laughs> many <laughs> levels of, of governance, not just housing. So I think one day if I wake up and I'm not disappointed in the state government, I'll be shocked. <laughs> well, Alan, a lot of housing advocates have been pushing for some sort of um, uh, cap on, on rates, so con- rent control of some sort. Uh, where do you come down on that? You know, I understand that frustration and, and why they get to that point, but Unfortunately, if you look, and I've, I've studied this quite a bit, I've read a lot of white papers, and I've, I've really I've, I've dove deep into it. It doesn't appear as though that that, that is a, that is a longer term solution. It actually, ends up having a equal and opposite uh, unfortunate bad reaction, and, and it ends up suppressing development. A lot of people don't think about how this housing is built and where the money comes from to build. It's outside money. It's not necessarily Tampa driven money. And if we end up making it on, uh, less profitable to build the an apartment complex here, that money will go to another community where they can make more money. So mm-hmm. we end up suppressing construction, which in a supply and demand economy, and the long-term effect drives up, drives up the price of housing. Now, I think that during, like during the pandemic and during those kind of crises, short-term solutions and short-term uh, is, is important. I w- I'm all for, I was all for the uh, housing bill of rights that, that was passed here in the city of Tampa. Mm-hmm. By the way, my, uh, one of my principal opponent and the current incumbent initially voted against that, it just a, really, which was a common sense approach to keep people in their houses. Uh, and, he voted uh, against the, the tenant bill of rights? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Well, speaking uh, of uh, your uh, primary opponent, uh, Joseph Citro, uh, he is the incumbent. And you're basically asking voters to oust him. Why? What? Is, what? What? Why shouldn't Joe Citro be reelected? Well, it's, it's part of my frustration with our city government. Like I said, we've got a lot of great things going on, and for honestly, for nearly four years now, I've, you know, I've witnessed and watched um, city council uh, have issues, and a lot of people like point fingers in different directions. And honestly, I've, I've been involved in a lot of teams in my life. I've been a lot of work work groups, and I've been I've led those teams and. I know that personalities and, and, and individuals make a difference on the productivity and the ability for people to function as a team. And unfortunately, uh, Mr. Citro is, is, does not have that, uh, really that quality to be able to function as a, a team member. He operates as a person, as a person of one, um, and capable of getting three other votes to push forth an agenda. I, I, I'll say it, but if you don't believe me, the Tampa Bay, Times recently, and the endorsed when they endorsed me said it that in four years Joe Citro has not accomplished a single thing. There's not one thing that he can point to in four years that he's been able to get through, partially because he's not a good team member. He doesn't work with others. He doesn't work with. He doesn't work to achieve an agenda. It's mostly about grandstanding, uh, being rude to people that show up at public comment, being rude to his coworkers that sit on the dais, and it, that frustrates me. I really want to bring in an adult 
a voice that comes to work prepared. I do my homework. Um, I don't think that's uh, we're lacking that right now with the with the with the mm-hmm. intro. Uh, he does not come to work prepared. Doesn't have a, the depth and breadth and understanding of the issues. Uh, wings it for lack of a better word, and that's just not the kind of guy I am. I'm an air traffic controller. I kn- I know that uh, what's at stake here, what's at stake in the city of Tampa, and I know that I have to do my homework. That it's not you don't just clock in and clock out. You you've got to you got to do the work. You have to make sure you understand the issues. You have to make sure you understand the law and also the impact that the decisions you're having on the people that live here. Uh, and you know, that's, and that's one of the reasons why I'm running is because I honestly believe that right now we have a problem, a problematic issue and, and, and Joe's part of that. Alan, um, we've got a, a email from our listener, Jane Gibbons, and she, um, wants to know how you would work, um, within Tampa's strong mayoral system, how do you, what would your approach be with that system? Well, good morning, Jane, and thank you for that question. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of there's a lot of people talks about the uh, talk about the the structure of our city government, and you know, within within every aspect of our life, living in a society, we live within boundaries of of, of rules that were created by you know folks to govern of you know a society. City of Tampa is no different, and you know, in our our charter, it calls for the powers of of the mayor. It also delineates the powers of city council. Uh, and actually, I'm I'm not a real big fan of the of the term strong mayor. Where you look at it more like you've got a legislative body and an executive branch. So the mayor is the executive branch of government and runs the day in and day out day out operations of the city of Tampa. The city the city council responsibilities are very well defined they control the budget you know who controls the budget really does ultimately control the direction so it's just a choice of whether you exercise that power or you don't well so speaking of that though the there there are four charter amendments that are on the four. ballot yep. and those um three at least three of them are related actually to the powers of the city council so right. i'm sure you followed that what was what would your position have been on those charter amendments would you have voted to put them forward to voters were you a supporter uh, or not uh yes i because again we, we go back to just creating the rules and the and the charter that governs the city i don't think that that necessarily it doesn't take anything away or give anything to someone it just it just changes the the rules that were created in the same you know similar types of processes the city council is well within their power to um, propose these changes. Um, the mayor vetoed it. The city council was in their power to override that veto and present it to the voters. I think that's the way the government is supposed to work. They How would you have voted on that? Would you have voted? Uh, the only one that I probably may have voted, I would have voted in favor of all of them, except for the term limit one, because, and it, it's, I understand where people are getting at, Honestly, I'm not a big fan of term limits. I do believe that elections are the term limit. And I think if you look at Tallahassee and you see the impact that term limits have had on the state government, you'll see that it really has an unfortunate reaction and that you end up, you, you don't have uh, folks with the ability to, you know, to, to lead and have that background. Although it's a similar, it's a similar uh, requirement that the mayor has to follow. They, they serve two terms. They have to leave for four years and then they can run again. Yeah, the, the difference is there is a loophole in city council. They serve two terms in one district, and because we have single-member districts, right. district one, two, and three are citywide, four, five, six, and seven are single-member districts, 
in a, in a kind of a loophole clause. There, yeah. uh, city council people are allowed to jump from single member to citywide or from citywide to single member. But and, and, and in fairness to that proposal, when you think about it, you're, you are in front of a different electorate. So if you are running in a uh, uh, specifically, if you're in a single member district, and then so you serve two terms in that single member district, and then you decide you want to go to a citywide seat, you're now in front of the entire city. So it, it is kind of apples and oranges. Um, well, Alan, let me ask you one more uh, question about a, a right. pretty consequential issue that has been a flashpoint between the mayor and some city council members, or actually, I think at this point, against all the city council members, which is the what the city calls pure, uh, what others have called uh, toilet to tap. Uh, the mayor is very insistent on getting that, uh, continuing to study it and, and try to get it implemented. City council has been pushing back. Where do you land on that issue? Uh, and, and that would that, turn, that would turn uh, just so our listeners understand, that would turn a, a highly treated wastewater into drinking water. Yeah, I, am, I have come out strongly and 100% opposed to doing anything that would contaminate our drinking water supply. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I went to school to be a geologist. I took a lot of hydrology and, and during that process, and I'm not even pretending to say that I'm a subject matter expert on because that was years ago. However, I know, I know enough about it and, and have read enough about those types of proposals that I, it, it's, it's just not worth the risk to me. I don't think that we can use the, 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 our drinking water, as, even, if, even if there's any chance of permanently polluting that uh, as an experiment. I think we have science has to be really strong. Uh, for pumping uh, partially treated sewage into our aquifer is a, a complete non-starter to me. I mean, absolutely 100%. It's, it's, it's a line I won't cross. Uh, putting it into, a river, into the river, either up or downstream, uh, upstream where we pump our water, which again we get into our drinking supply, is a non-starter for me. Putting it downstream uh, is a non-starter because that's a very important estuary, and I just don't believe that uh, you know the, the dilution would be sufficient enough to um, to justify that risk. Um, I think that really at this point, uh, because of that Senate language that was inserted in, uh, that gives us a deadline of, of of our current method of dispersion into the bay. We are going to have to continue to study the other options, and I think we really need to utilize Tampa, uh, Tampa water, Tampa Bay water to, uh, as a regional approach and, and look at not only the acquisition of fresh water but also the dispersion of our wastewater as a regional issue. And I think there's, there will be solutions there. It is going to require a lot more research, study, and a lot more science to under, understand what we can do. You know, we reverse osmosis is always an option. If it's good enough for astronauts, it's good enough for me. Um, you know, but I know it's, there's probably going to be a lot of cost involved in that. But honestly, it may be a cost we have to absorb because, you know, if you have to, if you have to pay a little bit more to make sure that uh, our children are drinking clean, pure water, then that's what we have to do. But polluting, polluting the aquifer or damaging the Hillsborough River and that really important estuary is, is complete non-starter for me. Let me ask you um, one more question. We have time one more question um, for you, Alan. Um, and this comes from a listener, Clark Jordan Holmes, who says, do you see a need for better oversight of the police? If so, what measures would you recommend or explore? Good morning. You know, I think Tampa, we have a, a different situation. Um, you know, we've, we've had, there's been problematic issues in the past, but I think we've taken a lot of really proof positive steps to improve the circumstances in the city of Tampa. 
Um, right now, our, our police officers in Tampa are understaffed, um, so we need to build that the workforce back up to where it needs to be to be able to absorb the growth and, and, and create a crime-free uh, city for everybody. Because it doesn't matter which neighborhood you live in. It doesn't matter you know where you live in the city of Tampa. Everybody wants to be safe. They want their kids to be safe. They want their grandkids to be safe. And I think our Tampa Police Department does a very good job of doing that. Well, tell me, um, there's been a lot of conversation, though, about the Citizens Review Board. I'm sure you followed that. Do you feel that it is an effective organization? Does it does it need more powers? Yeah, the city council is a, is, is a adopting an ordinance to give the Citizen Review Board the uh, power to hire its own attorney so it doesn't have to depend on the city attorney's office. Would you support that? I am 100% in support of uh, the independent attorney for the CRB. I think that's just common sense, and I, I stand behind that. I think that that's something that would benefit um, the citizens. Also, you know, it, it, it provides an uh, extra level of comfort and uh, to folks to know that there's, there's, there's kind of a balance between um, the police force who can take away life and liberty than, uh, and, and the private citizens. I don't actually, again, I, I'm not necessarily, I don't think there's really widespread systematic problems in our police force. Again, we have a, we have a, we have one of the best police forces in the United States of America. Um, they're, they're highly trained. This is a really attractive uh, workplace for, for, uh, police to work in. Uh, people are clamor to get jobs in the city of Tampa and leave other jurisdictions to come here. Of course, it's living in the city of Tampa. Why wouldn't they? Because we're the best city in the country. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, I, but I think the attorney is, is a really good step. I fully support it, and on city council, I'll continue to support that. I find that fascinating since you were endorsed by the uh, police union, and I know they were against that. How did you manage well, you to know, convince them? I think they recognize one. You know, in my entire life, their traffic. I work very closely with police, you know, firefighting, military. I worked with. I was a real close relationship and kind of symbiotic relationship in, in different issues that we dealt with. Um. I have a great deal of respect. Again, I, I, I fully believe that uh, police departments have a, a very important role in our, not just our, our society and our society, that everybody wants to live in, in a safe and secure city, and they've got a tough job. I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody that would be listening to this today that would uh, really envy their position and the jeopardy that they're in day in and day out to secure our safety and security, especially when... I mean, when things are really good, things are good. But man, when they're bad, they get bad really quick, and they jump into the. They literally the people that between our firefighters and our police, they jump in right into the fire and 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 take and take those bullets for us. Alan, we do have time for one more question, so I want to get one more question in from sure. David Bryant. He sent us an email. Wants to know what you think needs to be done at Heart. They have so many issues. That's the transit agency. Um, is that something that you might? What solutions do you have for Hart? He wants to know. You know, I think that the city, uh, you're right. And I'm very disappointed in some of the things that have happened with Hart. And I think obviously that the management structure there really needs to be uh, looked at really strongly. Uh, the county commission has a real strong, you know, has a, a great deal of impact on that. Um, Hart's a mess. And it's, it's such an important, critical part of our mass transit infrastructure, which I'm a huge uh, proponent of. Um, you know, we we as a city are not going to be able to achieve what I think every one of us want without a robust mass transit uh, program in place. And if you have a dysfunctional organization that's in charge of that, it's, 
it's a problem. I think we have a lot of good workers in heart. In heart. I think the people that are day in and day out, we have a management problem in heart, and that's got to be resolved. All right. Thank you so much. Um, we need to get you off the line. So we got our next candidate calling in. Alan, thank you for one, running. One more thing, Alan. How can people get in touch with you if they want to support your campaign? Sure, absolutely. My website is my name, Alan, A-L-A-N-C-L-E-N-D-E-N-I-N.com. And they can reach out with me there. In fact, I'll give you my personal mobile number. It's 813-495-7751, 813-495-7751. You can text or call me anytime if I'm asleep my phone's off. So Okay, thanks, Alan. Appreciate your time today. today. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on. You guys have a beautiful day. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, and we will be right back after this. I'm Shelley Reback, your host for Midpoint, your midweek, mid-morning source for news and public affairs with a local Florida and Tampa Bay perspective. Tune in every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. to WMNF Radio 88.5 FM or stream us worldwide at WMNF.org or listen on the WMNF app and subscribe to our WMNF Midpoint podcast. This is Walter Elspeth II, the host of the Sunday Forum. Each and every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m., the Fourth Estate and I do research and have intelligent conversation with each and every one of you. And we love it. We love bringing you the best in radio programming here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is Ashley. And this is Katie. Join us every Friday, early morning, 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. for Revenge of the Synth, where you will hear the best new and old synthwave music that you will never hear anywhere else. Revenge of the Synth, Friday mornings, 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. on WMNF 88.5 FM, Tampa. This is Dr. Bob for Community Radio WMNF. Join Tom Collins and me for the WMNF 60 show, Saturday noon till 2. You'll hear rock and roll, southern soul, the California sound, a bit of Motown, and who knows what else. Sing along, dance along, or just flop on the beanbag and let your imagination run free. Join us Saturday noon till 2 p.m. for the WMNF 60 show. Hi, and welcome back to WMNF Wavemakers with Janet and Tom. Today we are talking to the uh, three candidates who are challenging uh, Joseph Citro, the city council chairman, in the upcoming March elections. Uh, we just finished talking to Alan Clendenin, uh, who, who ran uh, four years ago and, and lost to Citro, and now is coming back. He says he's disappointed with uh, Citro's uh, work on the city council. Uh, if you're just tuning in, though, just a reminder that uh, it's too late to register for the elections. The last date of vote will be March 7th. Early voting starts on Monday, February 27th, and ends on Sunday, March 5th. If you'd like to vote by mail, because of a new state law the legislature passed and the governor signed into law, you used to be able to get a mail-in ballot and be good for four years. Now you have to ask one every year, 
And um, the deadline to request a mail-in ballot for the municipal election in Tampa is Saturday, February 25th. There is some concern that the requests are very low this year. Uh, A lot of people may not be aware that you have to request another mail-in ballot. Creative Loafing, uh, in their current issue on the elections, reported that only about 14,000 people had requested a mail-in ballot, compared to more than 58,000 who did so in 2019 during the last municipal election. So that could be have a big effect on turnout. Um, You know, we have very low turnouts in Tampa city elections. Maybe these elections could be decided by perhaps 20% of the electorate, maybe even less than that if so few people are voting by mail. So if you are interested in voting by mail in this upcoming election, go ahead and request that. You can go online to uh, hillsboroughvotes.org. Uh, the Hillsborough Election Supervisor's Office, and you can request a mail ballot. Um, we do have Sonia on the line now. Sonia Brookins is on the line. Sonia, thanks for joining us. Oh, not a problem. How are you all doing today? Um, very good. Um, so um, tell us, uh, just the very basics, what um, is prompting you to run? Why are you running for the District 1 seat? Well, the the reason I'm running is because I have a vision for the city of Tampa, and I want us to be more progressive and as far as moving forward with things that are that that share the concept of equality. I want a city council that looks like the city that it represents. And how would we accomplish that? What are we missing? Well, well the first thing we need to do is get the right people on city council. We need new new faces as well as new vote voices with new ideas so that we can uh, move the city forward. Well, before we get into those new ideas, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You're a retired educator, is that correct? Yes, sir, I am. Um, I'm a retired educator. To tell you a little bit about myself, I'm a Tampa girl. I was raised in Ybor City, so Tampa has been my home for a long time. And I've been fortunate enough to travel around the world and see new ideas that other cities have been plagued with as well as new solutions. So um, 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 if I could go into my educational background, um, I have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and as well as a doctoral degree. But the main issue is that the city of Tampa belongs to the, the, to the residents of the city. And I think we need to give the city back to the people and allow them to make decisions that impact their communities as well as their families. So can you tell us um, what would your top three issues be if you were elected? What do you think are the most important things to address in the city of Tampa? Well, the first thing, and we know every candidate is going to talk about affordable housing. That is an issue, and I say affordable and attainable housing. That is the first issue that's on my platform. I want us to get to a, a, a point of wrapping our, our head around this problem and start looking at other cities, see what they're doing, see what works for them, and see if we can bring that same idea back to our city so we can get the homeless rate down, so we can get folks into homes and apartments that they can't afford without um, literally going broke or or going into poverty. The second thing is that the budget. Um, I want the budget to be more transparent as well as accountable. Currently, we only meet twice a year with the budget to discuss different things. And I think that 
We need to make the citizens more aware and start looking at some other things and see how we can move resources where everyone is being impacted equally. And the third thing that I'm I'm big on is small businesses. Tampa was built on the backs of small businesses. And I think for some reason we've gotten away from that idea and we're slowly pushing them out more and more and more. We're putting more focus on the corporations. And I feel that we need, if we go into, we can bring the corporations here. We know we need that, but I think we need to have a more of a collaborative partnership with corporations as well as small businesses so we don't lose that, that, that um, small town image of, 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 of having mom and pop stores or, or, or uh, family infused stores that, um, that exist in our city. And I apologize. I'm getting over a cold here. That's okay. Um, so um, one of the, um, I'm going to read some of the questions that we've gotten from our, our listeners. So we have um, okay. one person who asks, Jane Gibbons, who asks, um, how will you work within the strong mayoral system of government? Um, we've seen a lot of, that's the question. So uh, we've seen a lot of butting heads between the city council and the mayor um, in the past couple of years. How would you work within that environment? Well, uh, it, it needs to stop. I'm just going to say it like it is. We need to come to the table and we need to work with it and look at what is going to help the city. This is not about a strong executive versus a strong legislator. We need to come together, put experts at the table so that the mayor can start looking at things differently as well as the city council. We cannot allow one entity to be the strong person over this over lives or decisions that uh, impact this city. So we have to come together and create partnerships, even at home. We always talk about bringing in experts and doing partnerships with companies that's moving in, but we forget about that we first need to do it at home and learn to get around that table and come up with a decision that influences the community that it serves. Okay. Well, where do you stand on the, one of the issues that has been a flashpoint on city council, we just talked to Alan Clendenin about this, has been the what the city calls the pure project, what others have called the toilet to tap project, turning wastewater into drinking water. Where do you come down on that? I, I'm opposed to it. I think there needs to be more studies that need to be done. I, I don't want to um, jump on the bandwagon for this pure idea when we don't even know what the long-term effects are. We all have children that are in in this community, and we have to look at what's going to happen 10, 20, 30 years from now in regards to our decisions. I don't think PUR is a good idea right now, um, and I think that we just need to do a long-term study before we even implement implement that into the system. And let me uh, bring up a question we've asked uh, Alan Clendenin, which came from one of our listeners Clark Jordan Holmes, do you see a need for better oversight of the police? And if so, what measures would you recommend or explore? Oh, um, and, 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 I, and let me say, my father was on the police force. My brother was on the police force. But the bottom line is policing looks different depending on the neighborhood it serves. And, yes, we all want a safe environment, but let's, let's look at it like it is. If we talk about community policing, Community policing is totally different from East Tampa versus High Park, and we need to address those issues. We need to um, go back and look at what we're doing in the police department that is not working. Um, Yes, we've been trained, 
But just because we've been trained does not say that we're doing what needs to be done. So I think we need to go back and revamp that system and start removing the police that are not doing their job. And we know we have a lot that are doing a great job. Um, but I think we need to go back and start looking at some of the things. Go back and look at the equity in the training that's going on. How do we respond? Knowing when we need to step back from a situation and allow mental health experts to step in when we go out to certain mm-hmm. homes. So there are a lot of things that we need to start looking at. And ha- where do you come down? There's, a, there's an ordinance the city council is considering to allow the Citizen Review Board, which oversees the police department or reviews its actions or its discipline, to have its own attorney instead of the city attorney. Where do you come down on that? Oh, I agree. We need to do that. That's why I say we need to put the power back into the hands of the residents. Um, just like any other um, a company or anything, and we, 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 we put ordinances or rules in place, we need to do the same thing with the police department. We should have a Citizen Review Board where we can feel comfortable in making decisions and we don't have to be intimidated by using the city's attorneys. Okay, and Sanja, tell us, if people um, want to get in touch with you or learn more about their campaign, how do they do that? They can go to www.soldierbrookings.com. Okay. All right. Well... Is there anything... What what else would you like to say about your race here? I, I I did want to ask you one more question. Which is, sure. why not Joe Citra? He is the incumbent. He's standing for election again. Well, the people have spoken. Um, they're tired of Joe Citro. They're tired of the rubber stamping. And I'm just going to say it. I have nothing against Joe Citro. But if the people say they want something different, give the people what they want. What they want. Okay, thank right. you. And you're providing an option for the voters. And thank you for uh, right. putting yourself out there. It's not easy these days to run for office. Yes, I respect anybody who runs for office. Believe me, that is, it's, uh, thank you for your service. <laughs> Appreciate it. Th- thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak. Thanks for being with us today. Good luck on your, okay. your campaign. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Um, and next on the line, we have um, Chase Harrison. Chase, are you there? I am here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for calling in. I know you've got a little bit of a cold, but thanks for calling in. We really appreciate it. Um, And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF, and we're talking to um, three of the District 1 City Council candidates. It's a citywide um, race, and these are folks who are all taking on Joe Citro, who is the incumbent. Um, So, Chase, tell us, um, in a nutshell, tell us your story and, and why you're running. Well, I was in the United States Air Force for 20 years as an intelligence analyst, and that's how I came to Tampa in 1996. Um, basically, since I got out of the Air Force, I went to work for the police department here in Tampa, and I retired from there as a police officer in 2016. And from the time I've been here, which is almost, what, 25 years now, uh, it seems to be the problems are the same as they were when I moved here. The one thing, like in South Tampa, when it rains more than 20 minutes, we all know what intersections flood, and we all know what the problems are with the city. So our campaign, we're not really about politics. We're about solutions. Okay. And so how would you solve the flooding problem? Well, as a police officer, like I said, I used to get dispatched to those intersections to keep people from going through there and ruining their car. I realize it's difficult at best, for drainage to occur when we're already at sea level. 
However, there is technology, they're, they're called cisterns, which they are now slowly putting into place, but we're way behind the time. Where they're, they're, they're digging up the roadway, putting in these large uh, drainage-type uh, crevasses under the ground. So the flood water goes into those, and they're huge. They're big enough you can drive your car through. Mm-hmm. So they're on the right track. So the water stays in there until it can make its way to the bay or it evaporates over time. So that type of technology has been around a long time. While we're just now implementing it, I have no idea. Hmm. Okay. Um, I want to ask you a couple questions from our, our listeners. Um, I'm going to start with this one because we were talking about the police and you were served on the police force. Um, from Clark Jordan Holmes, who wants to know, do you see a need for better oversight of the police? And if so, what measures would you recommend or explore? Well, first off, I think with the current climate, the police need our support. Uh, I, as an individual, I'm the only person running with a law enforcement background. I have worked in some of the most economically depressed areas of this city. Um, as far as oversight, I think the Citizens Review Board is right on track and it's right on time. Um, so I support those efforts. You know, it is your police department. And so when the officers act, and they do so under the standard operating procedure of the police department, which is an agreement of the chief and the mayor on how law enforcement will be conducted in the city. If you have an officer that on their own operates outside of that, well, they're no longer a good officer at that point, right? So Mm -hmm. they've kind of gone rogue. But as long as they're operating within the the, the, uh, standard operating procedure, the SOP, we need to support them 100%. And I have some ideas. You know, we're right now experiencing a horrible gun epidemic, a gun violence epidemic in our city. And it's not being ignored. It's being worked on. Right now, the city of Tampa needs to be conducting an actual nationwide search for a new police chief. Hmm. Uh, the, the department, now, if that ends up being uh, Lee Burkhall, so be it. He, he's a great person. I've known Lee since he was a corporal. And he is the guy for the job. Right now, he's in an interim position. But if we do a nationwide actual search, I think we could bring someone in from the outside who has some new eyes, so to speak, on the internal dealings of the police department and bring some new ideas and some new uh, initiatives. And let's give that a shot. Well, Chase, uh, uh, Joe Citra voted for Mary O'Connor. Would you have done that? You know, I've known Mary for many years, and I'm disappointed how it worked out. I, I think ultimately, with the choices that the council had, I would have supported Mary O'Connor. Yes. Okay. Um, we've got a call, and um, it's about the police force. So I'm going to go ahead and take it. And um, Chase, just stay on the line, and we're going to take this call from Mark and um, get your comment, reaction to what Mark has to say. Mark, um, are you on the air? Oh. Okay. Um, well, anyway, Mark wants to know about using um, internal affairs. He I have, it says that he wants to talk about using internal affairs more to get results, to, to flesh out the bad cops, as he puts it. What, what is your take on that, Chase? You know, uh, there's a really heavy, involved hiring process. I retired in 2016, and, uh, you know, obviously the pendulum has swung as far as uh, support for the police and who's applying probably to be in law enforcement at this day and age. And, you know, I, I don't want to think that our hiring standards have dropped. I, I don't want to believe that at all. Um, usually internal affairs is kind of the after fact. You, they're not involved with the hiring process, but they are involved once officers are hired. 
in maintaining the discipline within the ranks. And I should ask you uh, uh, about this, a story Creative Loafing had uh, recently uh, um, sure. about 10 sustained violations. Uh, tell us, what was your reaction to that story and tell our readers about those issues. Well, you know, I uh, that reporter while I was in my car and um, there were several, I'd say, misquotes and maybe some twisting of what I said. Uh, yeah, there was 10 sustained violations. You know, I'm in a job as a police officer where everything I do is public record. As other people made mistakes in their own jobs, of course, we're, we're humans. But we don't have access to that if you have your own business or you work for Coca-Cola or whoever. Um, as far as the headline saying that I had ignored subpoenas, that, that's not true. There's a process how we as uh, law enforcement were served with subpoenas. They come to the district office that you're assigned to. You sign the book. I'm not sure now, maybe electronically, but we would physically sign for our subpoenas. Uh, it's up to you at that point to make sure you make the, the court. So in 15, 16 years, I missed court two times, and I don't know, it was probably traffic court. I don't think the guy who had the ticket, who then got away with it, called and said, you know, hey, this guy, you know, didn't show up for court. He needs to be punished. Now, if you read those, uh, missing court and the other ones, they were all administrative in nature. They weren't necessarily a, a citizen complaining about me. Mm -hmm. I didn't show up for court. That violated our policy. So the chief of police was technically the complainant in that case. And, you know, I, I signed the paperwork. I, I missed court on this date. You know, it's been so long ago now. I don't remember. But, you know, it could have been my day off and I just flat forgot. Or I could have been at work on day shift if it was a, a traffic court case, let's say, and I got busy on another case and forgot to go to court while I was at work. And, you know, it's, mm. it's I think a lot of lawyers kind of hope for uh, police officers not to show up for their oh, cases. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's the whole thing. Ah, the cop didn't show up, you know. Right, but, right, right. You know, but within our department, let me say this, how professional the Tampa Police Department is. If you miss traffic court, as you see from this sustained violation, it generates an internal affairs investigation as to why. Was there some corruption, right? Like someone say, hey, you know. Yeah. Or did you just forget, <laughs> right, or oversleep? Right. Yeah. You see, you see what I mean? So the yeah. investigation shows I probably just forgot to go. You know, if I wrote 4,000 tickets in 15 years and I missed court twice, that's not a bad batting act. <laughs> well, I did want to ask you, you ran for the county commission uh, last year, uh, yep. lost to uh, Josh Wastel. Um, but during that campaign, you said you were uh, you opposed the all for transportation amendment, which did ultimately fail at at the ballot. If that was not the solution to our transportation problems, all the potholes that are need to be filled and streets that need to be paved, what is your solution? Okay, I, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of activity right now uh, repairing streets and potholes. I mean, you can go anywhere, and there's you know uh, lanes that are shut down, and they're they're right now actively filling that. So apparently it just maybe I don't know, maybe the fund to make it appear that there was a crisis of potholes. But the money apparently is there now. Um, City Council of Tampa, what I would propose, and I've heard other people talk about it, maybe we're a big enough city now that we shouldn't be dependent upon the county taxpayers, say in Waimama and Ruskin, to take care of the transportation needs in the city of Tampa where they're not physically going to be driving on our streets or riding our transportation system. So maybe we need to put on our, you know, big boy pants, so to speak, seek out federal funding and have our own transportation system in the city of Tampa with the county supplementing it as far as buses from Brandon or 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Citrus Park. Oh, you mean get rid of Heart and replace it with a system that's just focused on the city? Well, not get rid of it, but... Have a city system. Right, correct. A yeah. city mass transit system that's just the city of Tampa's mass transit Absolutely. system. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, another issue that uh, prompted you to run for county commission, I think, was uh, regarding the county commission's mask mandates. Uh, tell us about your where you came down well, on that issue. I know Josh you know, Wasta was also inspired to run for the county commission because of that. Absolutely. You know, the mask mandate issue, I'm a big firm believer in personal responsibility and personal choice. You know, if you, if you want to wear a mask and, and, and you don't have one, I will help you. It makes you feel better. But no one should be mandated to do anything when it comes to, to medical issues involving their body, including the mayor forcing people to get a, a shot or lose your job. I would never support anything like that. A shot should be between you and your physician. Gotcha. If your doctor thinks that it would benefit you, that's a choice that you make together. The government should not be involved with that. Um, we had another question um, from a listener who wants to know, um, this is Jane, who wants to know how you would work within the strong mayoral system. So that's her question. And then my comment is that, as I'm sure you've seen, there's been a lot of back and forth between city council and the mayor. Um, we've got those charter amendments that are on the ballot that are somewhat related to those div- um, division of powers in the city. So how? what's your, your thinking and how would you um, handle the relations with the with the mayor and a strong mayor form of government. That, I assume your caller is not Jane Castro. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jane <not>. Gibbons. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but she I, will be listening to your answer. I'm <laughs> kidding there, Chase. She has better things we to do. We've worked together for years. You know, I, yeah. I welcome Jane Castro's comments. Um, you know, the city of Tampa charter is been in place for many, many years, and it occasionally comes up for a review. Uh, in this case, when the charter review occurred, even though Creative Loafing disagreed with me, um, they, they didn't really do it like they had in the past, where they would uh, create a panel involving some citizens to do input to that. If mm-hmm. it happened, and Creative Loafing said, well, they've been talking about it for six months. Yeah, when people come and speak for their three minutes, or they want to listen to what the city council has to say. That's not the same thing of getting the experts in the room and let's talk about a serious conversation of how we need to proceed navigating the city forward. Now, as far as a strong mayoral, you know, I've only heard that term now for just a few years. I don't really know the definition of it, and I probably should. You know, I just haven't got there yet. But it seems to... You'll find out if you get elected to the city council how little power (laughs) you have, but, but go ahead. Well... You know, it's worked for a long time for the city of Tampa. I mean, it enabled for Bob Buckhorn to actually implement his vision that we are now reaping the benefits from. You know, a lot of toil has gone on, a lot of work behind the scenes to get this city moving forward. Because when I first moved here, downtown after 5 p.m. was vacant. Ybor City 7th Avenue was pretty much boarded up when I moved here in the mid-90s. But you see the revitalization and how we've grown and, you know, and the structure and how it's, it's operating. So... I would have to take a long look to see if if I want to extract some power from the mayor. I know the frustration was when they did the the, uh, police department appointment, and, you know, they all said, well, we're not just a rubber stamp, and I I get that. But I I don't think that Mary O'Connor should have taken her job and on the payroll until that confirmation had occurred, because we did have an interim police chief. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Well, and, and let me ask you another question we've asked the other two candidates, which is about the what the mayor calls the pure project and used to be called oh. toilet to tap, treating wastewater and turning it into drinking water or putting it in the river. Or wh Where do you come down on that issue? Because that's an issue that the mayor feels very strongly about and the city council has been united in its opposition to it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I got on my desk right here in front of me uh, a nice... Uh, a bullet statement, a letter from the mayor's office on this topic the other day to all the candidates so we could speak educated uh, huh. wise as far as this pure, as they're referring to it, it's not one single thing, it's a series of events that have to occur. Well, that's not how it's been approached and put out into the public. Right Now, I know this city is not dumping raw sewage into the bay. I, I realize that. And one thing I think we can all agree on as far as red tide a lot of that is fed by the by the phosphate that's from fertilizer and it's oxygenating the water supply more than it should and that's why we're getting the red tide which is an algae process in the bay water which is brackish it's not even salt water mm -hmm. but as far as pure um if it is in fact a multifaceted approach to the system the one thing that i don't care for because i don't think it's really been uh scientifically proven that it works is deep well injection into the Florida aquifer. Mm -hmm. you know, that's something I don't think we need to be messing with. What well, about I think putting it into the river? Yeah. Some of the things they've talked about is putting it in the Hillsborough River. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but there is a dam in the city limits in Sulphur Springs. And mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize that. And that's what creates all that, like a big lake area yep. off of, say, uh, 46 it, south of Bush Boulevard. There. It's, it's the city's major lake. source of drinking water. Absolutely. You know, and I, so if, it, it depends on if they're going to be dumping. And I, once again, I don't think they're dumping raw sewage. It's somewhat treated, but better than reclaimed water that we went through that system where you could water your lawn with basically used water that hasn't been completely decontaminated for drinking, so it's, it's non-potable is the mm -hmm, term. Right. Um, so we've used that for years. But as far as dumping something like that, even if it's been processed a little more, we need to be very, very careful what we're doing. And I'm hoping the EPA and the Florida version of that, you know, they're, they're working with us hand-in-hand, hand, I'm sure. Well, they're still working on they're still working on their standards the regulations, for that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh well. Okay. So you're you're in other words you're you you want to continue to look at this and try to figure out whether it can be done safely. Is that? Uh, yeah, that's okay. nutshell. And we need to be very cautious how we approach. This. Gotcha. Case, we're out of time. So just in oh. the last few seconds, tell us if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about your campaign. What do they? How do they do that? You can go to my website, votechaseharrison.com, and you right on the first page will get an, uh, an idea of what I talk about inclusion. You can choose the language you want to read my website in, and I'm the only person doing that. Great. Thanks so much, Chase. Thanks for running. Talk to you Thank later, you Chase. Great. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, up next is NPR News and Harrison Nash. Great music. You are listening to WMNF Tampa. Tampa. <laughs>